0: Thanks for tuning in to Sports for the fight. I got some Jordans on my feet when I go step to the mic I cannot name my opposition, I could say that I like And if you step in my position, you would say that I'm right I'm like Tyson in the booth, but I don't talk with a list I see you trying to run your mouth, you look like Stephen A. Smith I thank God, the odds against me, but I'm coming out strong I survived,
1: a heat check, but now I'm back like LeBron Oh, uh. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host Daryl Lane, as always on this Saturday afternoon, whether you're listening via SoundCloud, the Columbia, South Carolina radio app, or the LM Radio Network, we want to thank you for making me and the show part of your day. Got a lot of stuff, have to unpack a lot of things, Boogie Cousins, the Warriors, LeBron James, the Lakers. Carmelo Anthony just got cut. There's rumors about him going to the Houston Rockets. A lot of stuff going on in the NBA. Dame, Damian Lillard trades. Apparently, Damian Lillard might get traded to the Lakers. He's been hitting it, at it a little bit. A little mad that the Portland Trailblazers didn't get DeMarcus Cousins. So much stuff. Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard still, you know, doing his thing in San Antonio. Saying he wants to get the hell out of there. Stephen A. Smith reported that maybe he might sit out the whole season if he doesn't get traded. He's either working his way to L.A. to play for the Clippers or the Lakers. Kyrie Irving. Is it a rumor? Is he going to go to the New York Knicks? Is he going to leave the Boston Celtics? There's so much stuff going on right now in the NBA, and it's crazy. I don't understand. How can NBA free agents, like the offseason in the NBA is almost more exciting. It's more exciting than the regular season, maybe not the playoffs. It's just exciting. But later on the show, we're going to have John Althus, AP Radio Metro Metro Network reporter for the Cleveland Cavaliers, John Althus, on the show. Talk a lot of stuff with John. Always love having John on the show. But first, the thing I need to talk about is people and athletes that are revolutionary, that are just different. They have done something that hasn't been done before. And it's like... What is it to be revolutionary, right? Did Michael Jordan really revolutionize the NBA? It's funny. People say Kobe was a knockoff of Michael Jordan, but we really want to be honest. Michael Jordan was a knockoff of Dr. J. Dr. J was the original. Have we ever, when we say Tom Brady, right? We've already seen Tom Brady. Joe Montana. When you, when you revolutionize something, it doesn't mean... You did it exceptionally great To me what it means is You've done something that has laid a blueprint to be followed Right It's funny like in UFC now Conor McGregor's following the Floyd Mayweather model Just talk a bunch of stuff You know, don't fight Just hold out for the big payday, right It's how it goes in sports It's how it goes in real life Floyd Mayweather He's the reason, especially May athletes too Like I said, Conor McGregor's doing it a little bit Boxing, selecting who you're going to fight, being careful of who you're going to fight, fighting the right person at the right time, doing the most you can to maximize your monetary value, pay man, audibles in the NFL, at the line of scrimmage, all the communication took it to a whole other level, Steph Curry, three-point shooting in the NBA, after Steph Curry came around and exploded, now everybody's wanting to shoot threes. Nobody wants to play in the paint anymore. But think about LeBron James and how he's revolutionized the NBA. It's not as a player. Because you want to say, have we seen a LeBron James before? Yeah, kind of. Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan. He's like a hybrid of that. No, not Michael Jordan. Scotty, Scottie Pippen, Magic Johnson. He's a hybrid of both of them. But where LeBron James revolutionized the NBA is with player transaction, player power, player movement. Think about what's happened the last week in the NBA, like I stated. And I'm going to go over the recent stuff that's been happening. LeBron leaves Cleveland for LA. DeMarcus Cousins signs with the Golden State Warriors. Players like Kevin Durant are signing one-year deals. Kawhi Leonard's trying to force his way out of San Antonio. Kyrie Irving may leave Boston. They went to the conference finals. Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving are reportedly talking about joining forces. Damian Lillard might win out of Portland. Even if you go back a couple years ago, Kevin Durant leaves Oklahoma City, signs with the Golden State Warriors. Oklahoma City tried to form a super team, a big three this year. Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, Russell Westbrook. Isn't it funny now? Everybody's doing a big three. Everybody. Minnesota Timberwolves, they tried to get their big That's why they traded for Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns. And it's all because of LeBron. Star players now get traded, it seems like every other week. Star players will leave in free agency. When they can make more money staying with their home team. Star players will leave when their teams go on deep playoff runs. Let's think about this. Kevin Durant left a team that was one game away from being in the NBA Finals. LeBron James, and whether you think Cleveland's roster was trash or not, with J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, Jose Calderon, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, all of them. Whether you think Tyron lose a dud or Dan Gilbert's a jerk, right? Well, Whatever the reason people think LeBron left Cleveland. He left a team that went to the NBA Finals. Let's think about that. 10 years ago, that wasn't happening. 10 years ago, if your team went to the NBA Finals, you're a star player. You're almost guaranteed to stay. And there were people that were saying, even if the Cavs won, LeBron James still might leave. Star players signing one-year deals now. LeBron James. What he was doing with Cleveland, Kevin Durant's followed that model. I want the most money I possibly can get for one year. Don't want to commit long-term. want to keep my options open. And Kevin Durant signing one-year deals, and he's on the best team in the NBA, and he doesn't want to commit long-term because he's always looking at the next option. How are things going to be next for agency? What are other players doing? What's everybody doing? What's everybody talking about? LeBron has completely empowered the NBA. It's why Kevin Durant signs one-year deals. It's why everyone's trying to form a super team. And it's why players easily get disgruntled now. LeBron has changed this league. Changed it. It's so crazy now. I wouldn't be surprised in a couple weeks if I heard that Damian Lillard and Kawhi Leonard were on the Los Angeles Lakers roster. That would not surprise me. Shoot, after DeMarcus Cousins got signed by the Warriors. Nothing surprises me now This is what the NBA is. fast pace, moving, moving. Players control everything. (laughs) Everything. So just imagine if I told you with the Golden State Warriors. After 2016, right, they have that epic collapse. Steph Curry gets exposed in the NBA Finals. LeBron wins the finals. Everybody's saying LeBron's better than Michael Jordan. LeBron reasserts himself as the best basketball player in the NBA. Cleveland gets their first championship in decades. All this stuff about the Golden State Warriors and Cleveland Cavaliers. After that 2016 NBA Finals. What if I told you that the 73-win Warriors were just getting started? That there was another level. That they would get a gazillion times better. Would you have really believed me? No. Probably not. I wouldn't have believed you if you said that. But that's what happened. Two years later, if I told you the Warriors win the next two NBA championships, they would play the Cavs in the next two as well. And the following year, in 2017, the Warriors would Smash the Cavs in five games. And in 2018, the Warriors would sweep the Cavs. And heading into the 2019 season, if I told you that the Warriors would sweep through the playoffs, go 16-0 and 0 in the postseason, you would not be shocked if I told you that. And that would make five straight NBA Finals, something that no team has done since... Bill Russell's Boston Celtics in the 60s when there were like nine teams. LeBron's done it on his own, but no individual team has done it in a long time. And that's what the Golden State Warriors are going to do. But then when I tell you, this is what happened. All they did was get Kevin Durant. Then they just decided, hey, (laughs) this is fun. Let's get DeMarcus Cousins. Let's get DeMarcus Cousins. I don't think you would have believed me if I told you that the Warriors would have had Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, and then they would have added Kevin Durant or Marcus Cousins. I don't think you would have believed me. But that's what happened. The Warriors did the impossible. In the 2019 NBA Finals, this upcoming NBA season, when game one tips off, right, on ABC, just imagine the set, right, you got Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy. Calling the game. And the NBA Finals are underway. Steph Curry at point guard. Klay Thompson at shooting guard. Kevin Durant at small forward. Draymond Green at power forward. And DeMarcus Cousins at center. That's going to be the starting five in the NBA Finals this year. Think about it. That's going to be the starting five. The Warriors aren't real. Like, it's like 2K. (laughs) It's literally like 2K. Their second best player is a two-time MVP, one-time unanimous MVP, and is considered the greatest shooter ever. Their third best player is the best center in the NBA. Their fourth best player is one of the five greatest shooters ever, a consistent 20-point scorer, and one of the best two-way players in the NBA. And their fifth best player is just the defensive player of the year, right? That's their fifth best player. And by the way, you want me to get to their sixth best player? He's a Finals MVP. <laughs> their sixth best player is a Finals MVP. The Warriors aren't real. They're loaded. And I was just reading something that they might try to get Jamal Crawford. Like, holy hell, if they get Jamal Crawford, it's over. <laughs> it's over. It's over. So, to with the Warriors now, I'm just like... I remember my mom told me that the Warriors signed DeMarcus Cousins. She called me. She's like, Daryl. She's like, you know the Warriors got DeMarcus Cousins? And I was like shivering. I was like, what? I was literally dumbfounded. I was flabbergasted. I did not know what was going on. I was like, the Warriors signed DeMarcus Cousins? The Warriors have no, listen, the Warriors have no weakness now. Their only weakness was they didn't have an intimidating presence in the post. Like let's be honest, nobody's scared of Zaza Pachulia or Javale McGee, right? <laughs> nobody's scared of them. Kevin Durant's seven foot one, but he's not a post player. You have Demarcus Cousins, a seven foot, two hundred eighty five pound man that you can go post up. And not only that, Demarcus Cousins can stretch the floor. He can post, he can shoot the mid range, and he can shoot threes. And not only that, Demarcus Cousins is a pretty good passer. He averages about like five assists a game. The only issue, the only two issues is, is torn Achilles, which I don't think is going to be a big deal because he was never a player that relied on athleticism. He's not Anthony Davis. He's not high-flying dunking on people. That's not DeMarcus Cousins' game. And the other question mark is his defense. But whatever untapped defensive potential he has, Golden State's going to get it out of him, just like they did with Kevin Durant. Now Kevin Durant's one of the leading, one of the league leaders in shot blocks. I just have nothing to say about the words anymore. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Now, coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have John Alphus on the show. Coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. Now, real quickly before John comes on the show, I want to get into this, because once LeBron James, and I think this is an interesting storyline, right? Once LeBron James went to Los Angeles Lakers, it kind of crippled the Eastern Conference a little bit. After LeBron, what really was there in the East? I know people might say, oh, Darryl, Ben Simmons, he scored one point in the playoff game, and he shoots worse than Lonzo Ball. Don't give me Ben Simmons. Joel Embiid, well, that's fine and dandy, but I don't know if Joel Embiid can play 60 games on a regular basis. Giannis Antetokounmpo, well, Giannis has been in Milwaukee for about five years, and I'm still waiting for him to do something. He's putting up numbers, but he's not winning games. John Wall, Bradley Beal, I think we've seen that story before. Kyrie Irving, okay, I'll give you Kyrie. But in the West And I want to get this Because really in the East There's only two teams that we're really going to think are going to compete right The Philadelphia 76ers, the Boston Celtics Like those are the two teams in the East everybody's talking about Nobody cares about anybody else now But in the West Like there are going to be some really good teams in my opinion they are going to miss the playoffs Like the Phoenix Suns for example right I think the Phoenix Suns could be a sleeper to get the 7th or 8th seed you have Devin Booker, who's going to be coming into his own. You have DeAndre and who I think is going to be a 2010 guy. The signing of Trevor Ariza as a perimeter defender. You have Josh Jackson still learning and developing. Phoenix is going to have a nice little young squad. And they might not make the playoffs. You have Golden State. Los Angeles is definitely making it with LeBron James. The Houston Rockets. The Utah Jazz. The Oklahoma City Thunder the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Denver Nuggets. So many teams. Even the Clippers were good for a large majority of the season last year, and the the Clippers didn't have anybody. And the Spurs, if the Spurs decide to keep Kawhi Leonard for that one year, the Spurs are going to make the playoffs. The West goes about 10 deep, the East goes about 2 deep, and we got 4 good players after that. And I don't know what the NBA is going to do about this. Because I don't think it's as simple as you just have 1 through 16. Because I think it's kind of embarrassing for the owners, right? It's not good that you have to go to there. And when Michael Jordan played in the NBA, the Eastern Conference was tougher than the Western Conference. So So it all balances each other out, right? But it's getting to the point now where it's absurd. And a lot of the reason why I think it is in the West... You have warmer weather and better run organizations. Like, if I told you, which organization is run well in the East? Boston? Philly, maybe? But we've been laughing at Philly the last five years for tanking. (laughs) So are they smart? Or are they just lucky? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) either or. Toronto? They just fired their coach, who got the franchise the most wins in their franchise's history, and was coach of the year. In the West, you have the Lakers, you have Magic Johnson, you have Rob Polinka. San Antonio, you still have Greg Popovich, R.C. Buford, Oklahoma City Thunder, Sam Presti, the L.A. Clippers, Doc Rivers, Jerry West. Even a team like the Dallas Mavericks that aren't that good, right? Aren't that good? Rick Carlisle's a great coach. Mark Cuban's a good owner. There's foundation there. What foundation is there in the East? And it's kind of run amok a little bit. Now, before we have John on, we're gonna have John on in a couple minutes. But I just want to tell everybody, and I want to go back to the Golden State theme that I was talking about to start the show, because, right, like I said, the Warriors aren't real. Who could have thought the Warriors would be this? And I think that's why a lot of people don't like the Warriors, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I live in Cleveland. I go to school in Cleveland. Everybody hates the Warriors. Everybody still keeps saying 3-1, 3-1, 3-1. People still saying 3-1. And it's been two years and two finals beatdowns later, and they still saying 3-1 in Cleveland. <laughs> like, that's all they got there right now. 3-1, 3-1, 3-1. But personally, I can't hate on the Warriors. And honestly, I kind of always liked the Warriors in the beginning because I liked the colors of their jerseys. It was aesthetically pleasing to me. And honestly, when they were in about 2013, 2012, when they were with Mark Jackson, I liked the roster. I liked Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, that Harrison Barnes. I liked that team. So I don't mind the Warriors. But here's the reason why I don't think you should hate the Warriors. First of all, they're great. How can you hate them because they're better than anybody else? They're not doing anything illegal. It's not their fault other organizations aren't as good. Weren't we just talking about the West and the East? Is it the Warriors' fault that DeMarcus Cousins would rather go live in Golden State and play in the Bay Area in California instead of going to Cleveland to team up with LeBron James? Is that really DeMarcus Cousins' fault? Is that the Warriors' fault? is it? Is it? No. Not their fault people want to live in their city. It's not the Warriors' fault they've built an unselfish culture where Kevin Durant's like, hey, I'd rather play with Steph Curry than Russell Westbrook. It's not the Warriors' fault they decide to hire Steve Kerr out the broadcasting booth at TNT. And it's not their fault that the Knicks decided that same year to go hire the clown Derek Fisher. Could have easily been reversed. It's not the Warriors' fault. And, to tell you the truth, this Warriors' end, this Warriors' run, this run that the Warriors are on, it's going to end. Soon. This will not keep happening. Like I said, this this isn't real. Like, what the Warriors did, it isn't supposed to happen. They only got Kevin Durant because Steph Curry was... Took, took took an under an under con, a, a contract that was under his value he took an under market value contract because he had his ankles hurt earlier if you remember his ankles were hurt so he signed like a 10 million dollar contract that was below market value because he had an injury risk Draymond Green was a second round pick Draymond Green wasn't making money And Klay Thompson signed a relatively modest deal. So that's what allows them. And the salary cap spiked that year. So that's what allows the Warriors to go get Kevin Durant. And then this year, which is a perfect storm, some teams didn't want Demarcus Cousins. The Pelicans apparently didn't want Demarcus Cousins. And he felt slighted and he wanted to go to Golden State win a ring. So the Warriors weren't supposed to happen. And this won't continue to keep happening. Like you can't tell me eventually somebody's gonna leave. It's not gonna be Steph. But Steph's the only one I'm sure that's not gonna eventually leave. Kevin Durant keeps signing one year deals. Kevin Durant was really that comfortable in Golden State. He was he would sign a he would sign a long term contract, don't you think? Two rings later, two finals MVPs later, don't you think he would sign a long term contract? one year deal then a one year player option so it's it's a one and one but he's going to opt out unless he unless he tears his ACL or something catastrophic like that but it's not it's basically a one year deal it's like if you want to commit then put a ring on it right put a ring on it show some commitment Draymond Green talking about, I want mine. Draymond trying to get paid. That's why Draymond talking so much. Draymond Green trying to get paid. Klay Thompson. His dad works in the LA market. Broadcaster for the Lakers. He's from there. He knows the area. Maybe he wants to be a Laker. I don't know. Maybe Klay Thompson gets tired of being Alfred. Now he's the fourth best player on the team, in my opinion. Maybe he gets tired of that. Who knows? And DeMarcus Cousins. Next year, he's going to want more than $5.3 million. Trust me. He is. So this run that we see with the Golden State Warriors, this will not keep continuing. You just don't keep getting to have these embarrassment of riches over and over and over again. It's not how it works. Now, we kind of ran a little bit long, longer than I thought, but I just I just went on a tangent a little bit. Now, coming next after the break, we're going to have John Alphaz on the show. Cleveland Cavaliers reporter for AP Metro Networks, John Alphus, on the show. Always love having John on the show. He's coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh! We're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have John Alphus with us again, Cleveland Cavaliers, reporter for AP Radio Metro Networks. How you doing, John? Doing
0: well, Daryl.
1: Thanks for having me. No problem. Now, the first thing I want to talk to you about is LeBron James. You know, it was the huge news. LeBron James decides to leave Cleveland, go to Los Angeles. I just want to know, like, how surprised or shocked were you of the decision? What did you make of it?
0: I wouldn't say I was surprised. I think. I just think that was much more attractive of a destination than Cleveland. You look at the Cavs. I mean, they didn't really do much. They didn't have much to offer LeBron James. I mean, once Kyrie left, this team really uh, had a big hill to climb. You know, when you lose a player of that caliber who pretty much won you a title with that big shot down the stretch there uh, in Game Seven of the 2016 NBA Finals, when you when your team drops off and loses your star player. tries to put a band-aid on it with a guy like Isaiah Thomas, it it just wasn't going to work. And you kind of saw that in the playoffs. The way LeBron hit two game-winning shots, put the whole team on his back, put up, you know, 40 points, 45 points, tons of rebounds, tons of assists, he, too much of the workload and too much of the offensive production relied on him. And, and, you know, they got to the finals and, you know, maybe they they competed for one game, but the, the team just can't compete. Um, without another star player. You know, Kevin Love's solid, probably not an all-star. Kyrie Irving's gone, and, and, you know, George Hill, his best days are probably behind him. I I just don't think the Cavs had what it took to keep LeBron. There just wasn't anything intriguing about the Cavs aside from the draft pick they had. Uh, You know, you have a lot of bad contracts, J.R. Smith, uh, Kyle Korver's getting older, Tristan Thompson's underperforming. So there just really wasn't anything intriguing about the Cavs. you look over at the Lakers and you have Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, um, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, they lost Julius Randle, but still, I mean, the, the Lakers were just a much better uh, team moving forward for the future. Uh, and that's kind of why he signed a multi-year deal. And, you know, this also gives him a chance to kind of build up even more Randolph for as well being, um, you know, in Hollywood in that area as well.
1: What do you make of the moves that have been made with the Lakers roster so far?
0: It makes sense to at least ask him and, and see how it all fits together. And, you know, I think the Rondo move kind of makes sense. LeBron's been a guy who's always talked highly of Rondo and, you know, said, you know, he's, he's a great basketball mind. He's good uh, mind on the court. He has an understanding of where everything is. So, yeah, I, I think he does have a say. I just don't know if it's as much as people probably think.
1: How do you think a team with LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, uh, I guess you have LeVar Ball, too, if he keeps talking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Those are a lot of personalities in just one environment. Even if you want to throw Magic Johnson in there, too. Those are just a lot of of big personas and personalities. How do you think that's all going to gel together? Yeah, I I think the personality thing is is kind of in
0: question. I think the other thing... All those guys you mentioned aren't good shooters at all. I mean, Rajon Rondo's not a three-point shooter. Lonzo Ball is not a shooter. Uh, Lance Stevenson is definitely not a shooter. Um, And throughout LeBron's career, he's thrived because of the elite shooters around him, whether it is Ray Allen or whether it's Mike Miller, whether it's Kyle you know, some of the best shooters in the history of the game. And all these pieces here in uh, L.A., uh, more more so playmakers and, and guys who can kind of create their own shot and everything like that than pure shooters. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. But, yes, um, there are some personalities there. I mean, Rondo got the, the ejection in the, in the playoffs last season with the Pelicans. Uh, you know, he's been a guy that's always kind of had a bit of an edge uh, to him, a competitive edge, and, and certainly not a bad thing. Um, you know, and Lance Stevenson, we know how. His history with LeBron and I think LeBron and him have kind of grown to like that um, it, it makes for kind of an entertaining match um, so it'll, it'll be cool to see them all kind of pair together see how it all works out obviously there's going to be some peaks and valleys uh, more more so valleys probably than peaks at first um, you know LeBron's first year with the Heat was not, not a good year uh, it took a while for him Wade and Bosch to all kind of mesh together I think the same applies here with the Lakers um they'll probably be a playoff team. Uh I don't know really kind of where to project them at this point just because I think their off season isn't done yet. I think they're probably looking at a few other big names to potentially add to their roster um and, and maybe make a trade, maybe make, make a move. Um, but the way the roster is constructed right now, uh I, I think they're gonna have some problems those first few months. Um and we'll kind of see how it all works together. I think Kuzma is probably one of the most encouraging pieces. Brandon Ingram, another one. Um, but, you know, you have two point guards kind of clashing for playing time. Um, and Hart and Lonzo Ball, and obviously his father's there too. Uh, and Magic Johnson being a point guard himself. So it's kind of a – I'm not going to say it's being thrown together right now, but the way it's kind of, they're kind of piecing it together is a bit head-scratching, I guess. Um, so it'll see, it'll be interesting to see how Luke Walton all kind of puts it together and see if he can manage it to a point where they're a competitive team.
1: How do you think LeBron James is going to deal with LeVar Ball on a regular basis? Do you think that, bec- do you think that could become an issue?
0: I, I don't know if it'll be an issue. I think LeVar Ball, understands you know, LeBron is, you know, a top three player in the game right now. I'm not convinced though that. Lonzo Ball is still going to be on the Lakers come opening day. I'm not, you know, I, I think more than likely probably will. I think it's, you know, probably a 70-80% chance, but I don't know. Just just the way that this injury news came out about him and about his uh, his, his leg injury and um, you know, how, he, how he's kind of, he'll be ready for the beginning of the season and supposedly you know, they didn't want him to leak that information because they supposedly wanted to trade him and, you know, signing Rajon Rondo. I mean, I think there's kind of a Gray area there with with what they're doing with Lonzo Ball. I mean, they just drafted him number two overall, and after one season, they signed an NBA champion and Rajon Rondo. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that works out. But as as for Levar and LeBron, I don't I don't see it being you know too much of an impact. I, I don't think there's going to be too much um, to take out of that. I I think you know you saw Levar Ball. I think complain about the playing time or the minutes, or complain about Luke Walton at one point, but I don't think he'll be anything much beyond that, uh, especially with a player like LeBron. I think LeVar Ball will recognize the talent of LeBron and and what he brings uh, to the NBA. And I I think he'll kind of take a step back and kind of keep his mouth shut when it comes to LeBron.
1: Now I'm gonna go back to the personalities for a second because here's the question that I wanna ask you. So you have LeBron James, you have Luke Walton who are peers that they were drafted in the same class. So they're, they're relatively, they're peers. Then you have guys like Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzman, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. They all grew up watching LeBron, idolizing him. So how do you think that all meshes together where you have on one end, and I don't know LeBron and Luke Walton's relationship, but I don't know how domineering it is, how Luke Walton can talk to him, because it's different, I guess, well, at least to me anyway, if you're somebody that's older, you know, you're being a coach and you're the same age. I, it comes across a little bit differently to me. And then on the aspect of all the young Lakers, you have them, and could they end up just being in awe of LeBron? I mean, when you're playing with your idol, does that affect, you know, what you're doing when you're working, you know, when you're trying to play basketball? How do you think that all meshes together?
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. You look at LeBron's history and the coaches that he's been with. I mean, Tyron Lue, younger coach just out of the NBA. He's with Eric Spolstra, youngest coach in the NBA. Um... You know, and, and both Lou and Spolster, I'm not going to say they took a step back uh, you know, to, to being a coach and let LeBron do this. I'm not going to say they let LeBron be the coach because they didn't. Uh, they're both really good coaches. And they both have firm grip on their jobs. Um, but I think it's similar here with Luke Walton. I mean, it's a guy that um, LeBron can kind of relate to and uh, understand and, and work well with. I, I don't think... Um, I think it'll work well. I think I think Luke Walton's a good coach. You know, he's with Golden State now. He's with LA. I, I don't see a huge problem there. Um, and as for the players around LeBron, he, he need to get around younger players. LeBron's gonna be 34 next year. Year 16, he doesn't have near as much athleticism. I'm not gonna say he's not athletic anymore. He's, you know, but there is some traction on the tires, if you will. I mean, he there he is. Um, I think his playing time will need to decrease a bit. I think he's going to probably need to sit out a few games. He can't play all 82 games again. I I just don't
1: see how that would make a whole lot of sense, especially if you want to return to the NBA finals. So
0: I think the younger players will kind of adjust. I think they understand, um, they don't have to take a back seat to LeBron, but they, they need to let him, uh, kind of run the offense through him. and, And we'll see how that all kind of plays together. Um, but I, I think it's a good fit. I really do. I think he fits well with L.A. I think he um, won't have too many problems with Walton, and I think the players around him uh, understand his his greatness and his legacy as a player, so there'll be peaks and valleys, ups and downs, as I said, but I think, when, I think overall, I think it's a better fit than Cleveland, um, and at some point, he needed younger, more athletic bodies around him, because he can't be the one running up and down the court and blocking shots, and making all these incredible plays. He can't be doing that um, the rest of his career. You know, he needs, he needs to you know get his 25, 30 points. He needs to get his 8 to 10 rebounds, 8 to 10 assists. Um, but he, he can't take on as much as he has in previous years. Um, and, and I think having a younger core around him, both as a coach and as players, uh, will work well.
1: How much of an advantage do you think – the, the allure of going to a big market is for a player.
0: Oh, I think for a guy like Ron, it's huge. I mean, he took a slight pay, pay cut. I think he lost, I think compared to what Cleveland could have offered him, I think it's a $50 million difference. But he'll make that easily, you know, off the court with, with everything he'll have going on in Los Angeles. You know, Ron's a guy, he, he was in a movie. I think he has a bit of an acting career. I think he has some goals to kind of be with that, that um industry, I guess, if you will, um, and his fam- his family wants to be down there, too. I mean, they have houses down there, and, um, you know, it's Los Angeles. It's a big market. It's a, it's a group that had Kobe Bryant, uh, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, the list goes on, um, and, and he kind of joins that fold. He joins that, and to kind of be part of that, I think, is exciting for him. I think as Cleveland fans and as his Cleveland people, Cleveland media and all of us, I think we kind of look at it as like you know why would you do that? Uh, why would you leave the place that you know you were born in and stuff like that? But um, I think there's just lots more of an opportunity to kind of build your brand in a big city, and not only attract the sold-out audience and have a you know packed uh, staple Center every night when you're playing, but also when you leave the court, you know have more of a platform to um, do what you kind of always set out to do. Um, and I think LeBron certainly has a lot of talent in basketball. We all know that, but he also has a lot of talent in other areas. Um, and, and he's able to kind of build his image and, and really kind of impact the world, not only in sports, but in politics, um, but entertainment, uh, in a lot of different ways. And, and Cleveland obviously he had a chance to do that. He started to play basketball. He did that. Um, but I think L.A. kind of expands upon that, and I think that's the case with a lot of players, that big market, big city feel. Uh, is certainly attractive because it's a chance to make more money and it's a chance to kind of put yourself in front of the world and have, have more of a chance to kind of prove yourself. Um, obviously, LeBron elevated Cleveland. Um, but when he goes to L.A., I think L.A. is going to elevate LeBron. Uh, it's just that that's how big of a difference it is between those two cities. So there's it, kind of an allure there and, and kind of a intriguing aspect of going to a bigger market.
1: So, so do you think the money that he could have made stay in Cleveland because of when you're with your team you can re more with the Supermax do you think the fact that you can make more money with endorsements with movies you know building businesses agencies all that stuff out in bigger markets you know like LA, New York, Chicago stuff like that that offsets the money that your team could pay you?
0: Um, I don't know if it sets his contract um, I mean at this point how much money LeBron makes from
1: the
0: NBA team he'll get the max and They'll go with that, but I mean, off the court, you have to keep in mind, he has his own shoes, he has his own, you know, shirts, he has his own brand, he's with Nike, he has a lifetime contract with Nike, um, and, and obviously his, his merchandise and everything he sold did well here, um, but LA, it's, I mean, you had, you had those Laker colors and, and put them with LeBron James, and smack them together, uh, we're talking about a lot of money there, so, um, i do not he left for money because he obviously didn't. Um, but it's a chance to kind of do things he might not have been able to do in Cleveland, um, both on and off the court. So uh, I think it's a good destination. I think it's a good choice for him. And I think, you know, obviously he'll be remembered in Cleveland, but this is the next step. I mean, this is the next step for his family. It's the next step for him. And um, he kind of sees that as, as where he wants to go moving forward in his career. Now, when, when his son is ready to go to the NBA and, um, you know, when, when his son goes to the NBA, maybe he plays with him one day. We'll see what happens there. Maybe he'll own an NBA team one day. We'll see what happens there. Um, but right now, he's just focused on basketball, playing in L.A., and we'll see how he kind of handles it.
1: i got three quick questions for you, John, before I let you go. What do you think happens to the Kawhi in San Antonio?
0: I think he stays this year and I think he goes to the Lakers next year.
1: Does he hold out like Stephen A. Smith reported? Um,
0: I'm not sure. I mean, it's, it's hard to know what, what's going on with him in in San Antonio. Um, but I, I think that they hadn't, supposedly he met with the Spurs and I think there's probably enough of a reconciliation, if you will, for him to stay at least one more year. Um, and, and then make a decision from there because keep in mind, it, San Antonio is still the team in charge. I mean, it, it's kind of like the Cavs and Kyrie Irving. He can say he wants to leave, but in the end, it's the team that makes the decision. So if, if they want to keep Kawhi Leonard, they can keep Kawhi Leonard. They don't have to trade him. You know, They can keep him on their roster, and you know he might not want to play or he might fake an injury or whatever, but he has to stay with San Antonio. So with, with that in mind, I think he'll probably stay, and then we'll see where it goes from there
1: what was your gut reaction when demarcus cousins signed with the golden state warriors i
0: was a little surprised um you know i wasn't completely aware of his timetable for return i wasn't you know i I thought he'd be he'd be ready sooner than december and january um so that that obviously takes a huge hit on his value i mean to pay 5.8 million or six million for half a year of a player it's, it's kind of a gamble, you know, especially for the mid-level exception. So, supposedly the Lakers, you know, had that kind of money on the table, and, and that offer was kind of in place, and they, and they declined it. They didn't want to sign for that price. Um, but for the Warriors to do it, I, mean, I, I was stunned, and, and I don't know if it, I don't know if it ruins the NBA. I mean, I think it's still an exciting league, but. If DeMarcus Cousins is anywhere close to where he was prior to the injury, and this was a, a bad Achilles injury. I mean, this is the kind of injury that uh, really ruins careers. But if he is, is comes back from it and performs at a high level, at an all-star level, um,
1: boy, I mean, Sweep City, City is going to be so one-sided you know, towards Golden State.
0: It's going to be Golden State pretty much versus the league because – you know, you had a team that, that has won three of the last four NBA Finals, and they and they add arguably the best center in the league. To me, it was a stunning reaction, and, and we'll see where it goes from here. But I think he uh, he could really make them much more. You know, probably a dynasty um, if he if he is anywhere close to where he was uh, prior to the injury.
1: And I gotta ask you a baseball question. Me and my friend, we always argue. Who's a better pitcher, Justin Verlander or Luis Severino for the Yankees? Who's a better pitcher in your opinion, John?
0: Uh, I think right now it's Verlander. I think Verlander, uh, given what he did last postseason, compared to Severino, I mean, with the Severino, he wasn't bad in the postseason last year, but uh, he had a few bad starts. Uh, wasn't nearly as good in the postseason as he was in the regular season, and um, you know, obviously, they've both been really good this year. I think if you chose who's the better pitcher this year, it's probably a toss-up, a coin flip there. Um, but if I, if I could have one of those pitchers for the rest of the season, it'd be Verlander. He's just uh, more of a track record uh, and has more years of experience under his belt. In the future, though, if I had to sign a five-year deal between you know either Verlander or Severino, I think it'd be Severino just because he's younger, throws harder, um, and there's no more tweak there because he, he probably still is maybe a little over the grow even. So, I think Berlander gets edge now. Five years from now, definitely submarino. And
1: actually, just one more quick question, because I want your opinion on this. How do the Astros, I feel like all all their pitchers kind of get like a spike a little bit. Like, Justin Berlander, he just went up like another notch when he went from Detroit to Houston. Why do you think that is?
0: Well, Detroit was one of the worst teams in in the American League, and Houston was one of the best. When that trade happened, I mean, the Astros are the defending World Series champions, so... Uh, you know, when you're traded to that team, I think Garrett Cole is another example. He went from a average Pittsburgh Pirates team to a elite Houston Astros team. Um, I think just naturally you're going to get more attention and, and thrown in Toronto. a bit more. People are going to recognize it more. So um, I guess it just gave him a, a bigger platform and, and more of an audience because people weren't watching Tigers games, but they sure were uh, watching the, the Astros play. So um, I think when you go to a better team, naturally you get.
1: Bigger audience. Okay, John. I want to thank you for coming on the show, John. And I appreciate you for agreeing with me on Justin Verlander is a better pitcher. I concur with you on that one.
0: Yeah, right
1: now, yes. Yankees fans, they're, they're just crazy, aren't they? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> okay, now cut them next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to preview the Indianapolis Colts. Coming next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and now I'm going to preview the Indianapolis Colts. So here's the deal with the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck coming back, even though his arm, his spleen, his legs, his body's been on the men for the last couple years. His last healthy season was in 2016 when he threw for 31 touchdowns, passed for over 4,000 yards, had about a 96 quarterback rating. Last year, Andrew Luck was healthy. When Andrew Luck's healthy, top 10 quarterback, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league, can carry a team. question is, will he stay healthy? Now, I think what Indianapolis has done is they've put the proper investments in their offensive line. Ryan Kelly, first-round pick, center out of Alabama. Anthony Costanzo, first-round pick at tackle. Aquinan Nelson, people said he was a generational guard coming out of Notre Dame. People say he's going to be better than Zach Martin for the Dallas Cowboys, all-pro guard. So I think there's a lot of potential with the Indianapolis Colts offensive line in both to protect Andrew Luck when he's throwing the football and to protect him running the football and opening up lanes for the running backs, which is going to take pressure off of Andrew Luck because teams aren't going to be loading up and dropping back seven all the time because they don't fear the run game. But here's my thing. In terms of Indianapolis with playmakers, at running back, they don't have a lot. Marlon Mack is... Kind of mediocre. She had 358 rushing yards last year. We're going to see what he's going to do this year, how he's going to improve. At the, receiver, at the receiver positions, they have T.Y. Hilton, who's always solid, had 966 receiving yards, 57 receptions. But T.Y. Hilton's more of a number two receiver, maybe even number three receiver. T.Y. Hilton can't be your best receiver. Eric, Egron, Eric Ebron, who actually, I don't mind. I think he's a super athletic tight end. I thought he was okay at Detroit, had 57 receptions, not 57, excuse me, 53 receptions last year. But as my friend Noah Toluki would always tell me who I do, What's Your Take With It, which can be found on JCU Television, on YouTube, always tells me, everybody hates Ebron in Detroit. So Ebron's talented, but he's inconsistent. The defense The defense is improving with the Indianapolis Colts. Antonio Morrison, middle linebacker, had 108 tackles last year. Darius Leonard, a talented linebacker out of LSU, entering his rookie year. Jabal Shepard, defensive end, had 52 tackles. Al Woods, defensive tackle, had 44 tackles. John Simeon, 43 tackles at defensive end. So there's decent talent in the front seven. There's decent talent in the front seven, which I think can make this team an average team on the front side with both their linebackers and their defensive linemen. But their secondary is where I think it could be a problem for the Colts. Malik Hooker, St. of Ohio State, uh, was hurt last year. I believe he tore his ACL, couldn't play the whole year. I think Malik Hooker is going to be a real player. I think he's going to be what Jamal Adams was for the New York Jets last year. I think he's going to be a playmaker in the secondary. But besides that, the Colts don't have much else in the secondary. So here's where I stand with the Colts. And this is also a product of the fact that they're in the AFC South. With Blake Bortles, who people were saying sucked before he went to the AFC Championship game, and a Marcus Mariota, who had sometimes looked like he couldn't throw the ball more than 15 yards down the field against New England during that playoff game. <laughs> And Deshaun Watson, who was her last year, is coming off a torn ACL. The best that the Colts can do, I think, is 11-5. They're in a weak division, and they were 4-12 last year, so they're going to play a last-place schedule, which should be in their advantage. The middle, what the, you know, the middle of the pack, what I think they can do, is 9-7 which is something I think is really realistic. It's not top and it's not low end. Now, the worst I think they can possibly do, and this is the scenario of the offensive line, the young offensive line doesn't come together. You know, the offensive weapons. It's too much for Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck keeps getting knocked upside his head. Jacoby Brissett comes in the game and it's just more bad for the Indianapolis Colts and more people getting fired and Andrew Luck starts talking about leaving. That is the worst case scenario. That's it for my NFL preview of the Indianapolis Colts. So I'm of the opinion, right, with the Los Angeles Lakers, I think they're going to be good. I like Rondo, like Lonzo Ball, like Kyle Kuzma, like Brandon Ingram, like Lance I like JaVale McGee. I, I like the roster on his face, and I think depending on what they do, they get a Kawhi Leonard, they get a Damian Lillard. The Lakers could be really interesting. I think they're going to be like the third seed. I think Houston will probably be the two, and I think they'll beat Houston. I think they'll be in the conference finals and just get obliterated by Golden State because everybody this year will get obliterated by Golden State. But when you have the best player in the NBA by LeBron James, it's not particularly close at the moment. Things are going to be good, and I like the young talent on the Lakers. But here's my issue, and here's where I think it could go wrong. Like, if it goes bad for the Lakers, this is where it's going to go bad. The Lakers, I'm going to say this in a really respectful way, kind of a circus, kind of a circus. Like, there are a lot of personalities and egos in that locker room. You have LeBron James, an international celebrity. People say LeBron James wants to be the coach, general manager, owner. LeBron James trying to do everything. We know how LeBron James is. He's passive-aggressive. The tweets on Instagram, we know everything about LeBron James. A lot comes with him. He's the greatest player in the world, so we accept it. But still, a lot comes with LeBron. Magic Johnson. You know, he's magic. He's charismatic. You know, he's always trying to talk. He's always trying to convince people. Magic's a personality. You have Lonzo Ball, who brings the big baller brand and that whole umbrella over. You have LeVar Ball, who's chirping from the sidelines, saying, my boy can do this, my boy can do that, my boy can make LeBron James better at basketball, even though my boy was a below-average point guard as a rookie. You also have Rondo. Rondo's strong-willed. Remember, Rondo got in fights with Doc Rivers, Ray Allen, KG, Paul Pierce. He got in those guys' faces. Rondo wears people thin. Remember, Rick Carlisle and the Dallas Mavericks in the playoff series basically told him to go home, (laughs) said to go home. Lance Stevenson, blowing in LeBron's ear, we know Lance Stevenson can be a bit of a clown, a bit of a clown, and JaVale McGee, the king of shacking the fool before J.R. Smith decided to bring the ball out, <laughs> so there are a lot, and even, and even Kyle Kuzma, who was doing the diss tracks with Lonzo Ball, there's a lot of personalities, On this team, which isn't always a bad thing, but there's a lot of personalities and a lot of, you know, different egos and a lot of different personas. You're going to have to go mesh. You're going to have to mesh together. You can't have too many. You can't have too many people that take up the whole room. You can't have that now. And then the young players. Lonzo Ball, 20 years old. Brandon Ingram, 20 years old. Kyle Kuzma, 22 years old. Josh Hart, 23 years old. These kids, these, I'm not going to call them kids These young adults are fairly in my generation I graduated in the same class as Lonzo Ball Shout out class in 2016 Would have been 2020 with Lonzo But Lonzo decided to go to the NBA But I'm in the same class as Lonzo, right? Graduating class So me and Alonzo are relatively the same age So I'm, I'm in this generation Brandon Ingram's a year older than me too So And I, I kind of get this Like I'm going to say we We grew up watching LeBron James Right? You know, idolizing like Trying to be like LeBron in Cleveland, and Miami. Kids were in middle school, elementary school, high school. Lonzo was high school. Lonzo was like, I want to be like LeBron. So when they're playing with them, my thing is, are they going to get starstruck? The aura of LeBron James, it's so much. There's going to be more media attention. Now, even though it's L.A., there's going to be more media attention. There's going to be a lot more temptation, a lot more stuff out there. How are they all going to focus? And then how are they all, because they're all young, Right? How are they going to deal with the fact that their names will consistently be floated in trade rumors? And I'm going to tell you, players hear this stuff. Remember at school, you know at school the person that always kept chirping and chirping kept gossiping? You knew who it was. You knew who it was. And you had a problem with it, right? How do you think Brandon Ingram feels when he keeps hearing on ESPN that Lakers are trying to trade Brandon Ingram for Kawhi Leonard? And two first-round picks. How do you think Brandon Ingram feels about that? You really think he's been in L.A. for two years. You really think he must go from L.A. to San Antonio? How do you think Brandon Ingram feels about that? How do you think Lonzo Ball feels? What well, it's like, Lonzo Ball getting traded to Portland for a Damian Lillard in the first round pick. How do you think Lonzo Ball interprets that? How do you think Lonzo Ball feels about that? Reportedly, the people are saying LeBonto, Lonzo Ball's people leaked his torn meniscus so he wouldn't get traded which is kind of an uneasy thing in an organization how do you think Josh Hart feels how do you think Kyle Kuzma feels when their names are consistently getting floated around in trade rumors not good it makes it kind of hard to go to work kind of hard to be all in when you know you might be somewhere else Right? When you know you can get uprooted. And then, the thing that could be the most concerning thing to me is Luke Walton. And I like Luke Walton. I think Luke Walton's going to be a very good young coach. But, and here's the thing about peers, right? Luke Walton and LeBron James are the same age, basically. Uh, They were both in the same draft class. They're equals. They're peers, it's not like Luke Walton's Greg Popovich, 60 years old, and is talking to LeBron in a different manner or a Doc, a Doc Rivers. Luke Walton played in the NBA when LeBron played in the NBA. The same draft class. So, there could be a time. And it's even different with Tyrone Luke. Tyrone Luke was playing in the 2000s when LeBron was still in high school. Like, LeBron actually came to this dude's came into this dude's draft class. So... When Luke Walton commands respect, it might be different. LeBron might be like, who is this dude coming at me like, okay, Luke. So I'm interested to watch that. I'm also interested in the fact that apparently LeBron and Luke Walton haven't talked yet. You would think your coach and your star player would be talking. Remember, David Blatt and LeBron James weren't talking. David Blatt went to the NBA Finals. Kevin Love got hurt in the first round against the Boston Celtics. Kyrie Irving got hurt in game one. The Cleveland Cavaliers were up 2-1 against Golden State and flamed out because LeBron James got physically tired. And in the second year, in 2016, Cavs had the best record in the East. And guess what happened? <laughs> David Blatt still lost his job. <laughs> he still lost his job. So Luke Walton can't feel the most comfortable right now. Because he's in a very worse position than David Blatt was. David Blatt was in the Eastern Conference. Like I said, a lot of teams in the West. Oklahoma City, Houston, Golden State, Utah, Denver, Minnesota. A lot of good teams in the West. Something ends up happening. Let's say Lonzo Ball still can't shoot, right? They have no shooters on their team. Lance Stevenson can't shoot. Ron John Ronald can't shoot. LeBron James is the best shooter out of all of them. And LeBron James ain't a great shooter. There's going to be a lot of bricks being laid. Let's say they lose in the first round to like Utah or something like that. Luke Walton is canned. Bye-bye. And honestly, if the Lakers didn't get LeBron James, let's say they get Paul George, and they get the eighth seed and they get canned, Luke Walton keeps his job because it's seen as he's a young coach. He's growing with his young team. He's developing talent. Now is, you better start getting results. You better start getting results, the Brosman. Yeah. So that is why we need I'm to watch out with that light thing. Cause I'm worried about all the personalities, the ages, the youth, the differences. How are people going to handle the spotlight? What was that? The little one? I think so. Cause now things get real, and with all this combobulation and all, everybody's unfocused, we know Levar Ball is going to be talking the whole time. Like, seriously, there's the roster as Lance Stevenson, LeVar Ball, LeBron James, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, JaVale McGee. There are a lot of personalities on that team. A lot of personalities. And you have a really young coach that's going to have to manage the personalities. That's going to be interesting to watch. Now, coming next, we're going to be entering the second hour, Barbershop Sports Talk. One o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Uh, coming up, second hour. Gonna have my man's from the city, Scotty Johnson, on Talks some NBA. Gonna also have Patrick Stein on the show. Patrick's already in studio. Patrick's anxious to get up here. A lot more coming up next after the break. Barber Barbershop Sports Talk. Star.